Hey, hey, welcome to Horns Up. This is episode number 74. And to start off the week, we are traveling all the way to Canada. Of course, there's so much great music coming out of Canada and Canadian metal. <laughs> if you have your ears to the ground, you would definitely hear all the rumbles that Canada has been making in the metals world. And what's weird about it, I guess, is all the prevalence of traditional or retro or old school bands that are coming out in this day and age. I mean, over the last uh, two or three years, um, we've heard of so many bands cut from apparently not the same cloth, but similar fabric of sorts, right? Uh, you can list them off. It's names just roll down your tongue. Everybody from, say, a traveler to freeways. Skullfist. Skullfist are one of my old favorites who kind of fit into this. I don't know, Unleash the Archers? Would they also kind of fall, fall into this sound? Maybe. And well, then... that entire country itself is producing a lot of good music these days. And uh, one of the latest examples that a lot of people have already been talking about is this band called Spell, which earlier used to be known as Striker. Yeah. That's how you got to know of them, right? No, I know them from when they released their uh, first album, which was the Full Moon Sessions. And I got the promo for that all the way in 2014. Almost six years later, this year, in uh, I think March or April, they released their third album, which was Opulence Decay. And it's one of those albums that I had to really deep dive into to, you know, really get into it as such. But then when I got into it, it turned out to be quite a delightful listen. Yeah, it, it, it took a while for me also to get into. But once it sticks onto you, yeah, that's it, man. Like You really, it's, I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> hmm. All right. Um, so, yeah, we, we uh, rang up our Skype machine and got in touch with their bassist and vocalist Cam Mesmer. And here is that chat. Hi Cam, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, thanks for talking to me. Uh, before we get into your latest album, Ophil and Decay, let's go back to the start. What music did you listen to while growing up? <laughs> while growing up, well, I guess we got into uh, heavy metal first of all when we were, when we were teenagers, when we were young teenagers, we were kind of uh, just going through the local record stores and finding whatever stuff we could get that was pretty cheap. So we would always just just comb through like the dollar bins. And I guess we were able to find some uh, some cheap vinyl that way. So we got all the, you know, all the all the classic heavy rock stuff. We were able to get, you know, a bunch of Rush records and and like Cream records and, and stuff like that. All the Black Sabbath records and Beatles for, you know, like a, for like a quarter or a dollar. So we got all that stuff pretty early. All right. But from this, was there an album? I mean, was there a point or probably? perhaps even an album that kind of made you want to become a musician? I guess if I had to choose one just off the cuff here, I'd, I'd probably have to pick uh, Peace of Mind by Iron Maiden. Because I remember getting that, I remember finding that CD in the, uh, for like a, a buck or two in the used bin. And I had no idea what it was. Because, uh, you know, my, my family never listened to rock music or anything like that. And I was at the, the shop there with, with, with Al, the drummer in Spell, who's my brother. And we found that one. And we went home and put it on, and our minds were just blown because we had never heard anything like it before. We had no idea what we were what we were in for. All right, and from that point, how did Striker come together then? <clears throat> oh yeah, Striker. So 
I mean, that was when we were pretty young when we found that album. We were probably like, you know, I don't know, 13, 14 sort of thing. And then we played in uh, we played in a bunch of different bands in high school and, you know, played some covers and played some originals in like rock music and and some death metal and black metal and stuff like that. But then um, when we were kind of in our in our late teens, we, we wanted to start sort of a more serious band. So that's when we, we we knew about Graham from the just kind of from the local music scene. And so we, we wanted to start a band that was just kind of a straight straight on heavy metal band inspired by the stuff we loved, like Judas Priest and Accept and Megadeth and bands like that. <clears throat> so we, we we called up Graham and we started jamming and rehearsing and writing some tunes. And then we had Striker. From Striker then to Spell, because uh, I still remember getting the promo for the full moon sessions and being oh, cool. no, really impressed cool. yeah, oh, man, by awesome. what I heard. Yeah. So yeah, well, how does it feel? looking back at that album i know it's been six years but yeah well man i thanks for uh for sticking with us so long i had, had no idea you heard that right back then when it came out um i mean looking back on that album I, I still we still stand by it you know it's it's definitely it's a little bit different from what we're doing now i like to think that we've we've improved with every album we've released but um to me that album is kind of like it represents a certain point in our lives when we were kind of just beginning to develop our own sound and our own style. And we were, you know, obviously we, we still loved, we loved that and we still love the, the heavy metal bands that inspired us to begin. But that was kind of right when we were, when we were learning how to write songs and learning how to, how to take on the style that we wanted to, you know, continue to have now, the direction we wanted to go with Spell. Now, of course, you have your third album out, which is Awful and Decay. So let's start talking about that one a little yeah. bit in detail. Uh, there's a press note that that accompanies the promo, the album itself, and that has a, a peculiar quote, and that says many bands find that third album the most difficult because they're trying to recreate what they've already done. For us, it gets easier and better every time. How did yeah. it get easier and better? What was really different this time around? Yeah, well, you know, I feel like so many bands I talk to have all this sort of fear surrounding the third album because it's like, you know, the first album is easy because, you you know, you have an idea. The second album, you're kind of continuing that idea. And then by the third album, you run out of ideas. People always tell me this. But for us, we never wanted to just write the same album over and over again. Like, you know, we, we didn't want to just be decide exactly what type of band we are and then kind of keep releasing that music. Like, it, we're not like one of those bands where we decide in advance what the genre is going to be. Like, we're not, you know, some of those bands that are like, oh, we're going to be like a Motorhead-inspired band or we're going to be like a you know, Sad Wings of Destiny era, Judas Priest inspired band. And then they just kind of write themselves into a corner. With every album we release, we, we just look for, for different, more diverse ideas. And, you know, we, we always are finding different types of records to collect. And we're, you know, always traveling when we can, you know, of course, when it's not, <laughs> when we can travel and it's not COVID. And, you know, we're getting outside and we're reading books and listening to different types of music from around the world and exploring different kinds of art. And so I just feel like there's, there's so much inspiration, you know, everywhere you look to, take new things into your music. So really, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're just getting stuck on something, then you should probably expand your view a little bit. So for us, you know, we just, we just found so much new inspiration. You know, the other common stereotype about a band's third album is that it's supposed to be or considered to be the album where the band really solidifies or locks in on its sound and kind of certifies the identity of who they're supposed to be. Would you say that's true for Spell as well? Uh, I mean, in the sense that I would say this is definitely our best album, for sure. I think it's a lot better than any of our others, although I'm still proud of our others. But at the same time, you know, like I said, we're not a band that wants to just do the same thing over and over. So 
our next album is going to be different once again. It's not going to be like Opulent Decay. It'll be it'll be hopefully even better. So coming back to something again, I read from your press note, which uh, I think you've said, saying often I'll wake up in the dead of night with a powerful feeling or a melody in my mind, not connected to reality any in any concrete way. I'll then leap out of bed and try and capture it before it disappears. <laughs> yeah. So could you tell us about, because the, it's a very common thing probably in a way, but could you kind of describe uh, your songwriting process? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's 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 always kind of a weird question and it's always the first question that I ask other musicians and artists because to me the most, you know, the weirdest thing is where does this music come from? And and I don't really know where it comes from. For me, I, you know, I just, I just feel lucky to receive it. I feel like I'll be going to sleep at night and, you know, often it'll be sort of before I go to bed when I get my guitar out and I'm working on music. And then as just as I'm falling asleep, maybe you know, the music is kind of going around in my mind and then something sort of solidifies or I'll be just in the dead of night, I'll be sound asleep dreaming. And then suddenly I'll just have some kind of, you know, I'll either have a melody or it'll be more like like a feeling that accompanies a powerful dream. Like, you know, if, maybe it'll be a nightmare and just these intense feelings of fear. And you know, sometimes when you have a nightmare and <clears throat> it feels absolutely terrifying to you when you're in your dream, but when you wake up, and after you've been awake, for, it still feels frightening when you wake up. But then after you're awake for a little while, you start to realize that whatever the thing that was scary in your dream is not necessarily scary when you we sort of see it from when you see it when you're awake. Like it could be something as simple as like a like a I don't know, like like a like a room that just has this evil feeling about it or like, you know, like a anything, a pair of shoes, a tennis racket, you know, just anything can feel like this overpowering feeling when you're in a dream. And so as soon as I wake up. I'll sometimes have these feelings and it could be terror or it could be joy or it could be, you know, just the desire to explore the world or happiness or anything. And I'll kind of try to immediately go out of bed and go to my guitar and try to find the notes to capture that feeling before it just kind of disintegrates and before it be, before you sort of realize in your awake state that it maybe it's not so scary after all. On Opulent uh, Decay, there seems to be an underlying concept that ties the album together. If you could kind of tell us what it is. Yeah. So so it's the whole album is kind of about this contrast between opulence, like, you know, just wealth and luxury and um, like austerity and decay and, you know, sort of whatever is the opposite of that. Um, I feel like I've, I've seen uh, people who 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 really devote their lives to either side of that. Like I've seen some incredibly rich people who spend their entire lives just focusing only on bringing more and more luxury and ease into their lives. And it's like they live in these mansions and they're always just going out to buy the next biggest TV that comes out. And, and you know, and then they, and then they go and they go on vacation and they just go lay on a beach and, you know, have people bring them drinks. And it's like, I have no respect for that because you're never, you're never putting, you're never experiencing any suffering to, to, you know, or, or, you know, doing anything that you're never working hard to bring anything meaningful into the world. You're always just trying to make your own life easier. Um, <clears throat> but then on the other side of it, I've also met people and, and, you know, heard about people who are living their lives only for asceticism. And they're just taking out all ease and comfort and joy from their lives and living only to sort of be as cruel to their to their physical beings as possible. And I also kind of wonder about that, you know, if you're not, if you're denying yourself all pleasures in life, can you can you then bring any bring anything meaningful into the world and and bring joy to others around you? So I guess this album is sort of 
looking for the the middle path in that where you can um you know where where you can give where you can have enough in your own life to give something to someone else that's going to make their life better and easier and kind of bring beauty into the world press note mentions that you call this record hypnotizing heavy metal what do you <laughs> yeah. mean by that tag well i i guess what we mean by that is just that um uh, you know there's so many genre tags that go around and you know genres and subgenres and and we just you know we've seen them a million times and we just didn't really feel like any of them quite fit what we were doing you know some people have called us you know traditional heavy metal or you know retro this or that or whatever but we don't we don't feel like there's anything retro about it you know we're not we're not trying to be something from the past where you know the bands we listen to are bands we heard during our lives and they're contemporary to us and you know it's 2020 so um you know and and we're not we're not really we're not traditional either we're doing something new we're doing something that's that's different and fresh so we felt like we had to sort of make up our own genre tag so we call ourselves hypnotizing heavy metal um partly because a lot of the songs kind of come to me from this this sort of this dream state which i feel is, is sort of like it it is outside of the the rational means of of thought it's kind of it's a little bit separated from the kind of the logical reality that we have when, when we're awake. It's it's sort of something out of like a, a different state of mind, something subliminal, something a little bit maybe surreal, um, the kind of state you might be in if you were if you were hypnotized. So so maybe that's why we call it that. All right. At this point, we've talked so much about the album. I think it's a good time to play a song from Opulent Decay. Which one should Great. we play, and why that song? Oh, good question. Um, I guess if we were going to start off with with one song, I would say let's play um, let's play Don Wanderer because that was a song that that is quite. I mean, the whole album I, I think should be listened to as a whole, but that song is quite meaningful to me. It took me many years to write it and get it exactly how I wanted it to be, and when it finally came together, I'm quite proud of it. So let's start with Don Wanderer.
All right, Cam. So I love the magical, mystical, mysterious, rev- uh, reverb-heavy vibe that this entire album has. If I asked you to describe the album with five unique adjectives, what would those words be? <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> uh, putting me on the spot here. Five yep. unique adjectives. Um, well, I would say um, surreal. Um, hypnotic, um, spiritual, um, um, frightening, and for the last one, I'm going to go with, uh, um, let's go with, uh, Obsessive. Is that an adjective? Maybe not. It's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly get what you or why yeah. you said that. <laughs> Having said that, you know, honestly, I feel there's one word that you kind of miss out on. Okay. Psychedelic. And Psychedelic, that's sure. Kind of, yeah. And that's the kind of shift I've noticed on this album that you all have taken. Is this perhaps a newer direction for Spell? Yeah, it's definitely a new direction. I mean, we're, like I said, we're always taking a new direction. We're always looking for something different. I mean, um, we're we're always at the record stores discovering new music and looking for bands we haven't heard before. We're not one of these groups that just, you know, only wants to listen to the traditional heavy metal records that we've heard a million times. We're always finding out about new genres, whether it's, you know, whether it's jazz or getting into classical music. We've been particularly into soul music lately um, and ambient stuff like Brian Eno. Um, <clears throat> I've been listening to a lot of uh, Nina Simone and Diana Ross and Etta James and things like that. So, um, I mean, that's not psychedelic, of course, but my point is that we're always we're always going for a different direction. And the new album, the next album, will have a different direction again. Now, I'm going to be very honest here and uh, just tell you that this was also an album that I didn't particularly love at first listen. But the more I heard it, uh, it kind of grew over me at that time. It's something that really warrants repeat li- uh, listens a lot. Uh, okay. What do you make yeah. of that assessment? Is that something that a lot of people are telling you? Uh, I mean, some of I, some of people have said things like that. I guess it, it, just that they, they they get more out of it every time they hear it. I mean, part of the way one of the one of the things I think about when I'm when I'm writing music is that uh, I hate when I when I hear an album. Maybe I like it at read it first, but then after I listen to it a few times, certain things from the songs just get annoying. And like maybe there'll be some chorus that it just feels like just jarring to me or like it's just too repetitive. I, I hate stuff like that. It ru- totally ruins an album for me. So I would rather what I try to do is I, ju- I try to write music that just that won't get annoying. And part of that, I guess, maybe is taking out some of the stuff, some of like the overly repeating choruses or some of those like some of these types of hooks you hear in, you know, in, in modern pop music. They just come over and over and over and over, and just ram themselves down your throat. So perhaps this album has come out kind of the on the other side where where some of it is is a little bit is is more subtle and maybe it takes a few listens to uh, you know to kind of define the direction that we were going for with it because you know we did spend years working on this music and you know we we wanted it to be you know as as elaborate as we can make it as interesting as we can make it um, you know I worked on these songs pretty much every day for four years and I feel like they're not you know they're, it's not just like you know, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, solo. There's a there's a lot there's a lot of changes in these songs, and the, and there's there's a fair bit going on. You know, we're not trying to just 
be overly progressive or something like that. I'm trying to fill them with, you know, fill them with, with, you know, with good songwriting and big choruses and, you know, parts that'll make you dance. But, um, but maybe they're a little bit more complex than, than uh, your average rock song. So Cam, you know, it's, it's weird that Opulent Decay, or not weird actually, it's actually a testament to all the work that's been put in that Opulent Decay is getting so much of um, attention uh, as mm. such. Do you think this album will be considered, or rather, should it really be considered as the big breakthrough album for Spell in a way, or as such? Well, yeah, thus far, definitely. I mean, like I said, it's it's, it's our best album without any doubt. And uh, so, you know, for our career up until this point, I would say certainly it's our it's our breakthrough album. It's, it's the best one. But but I'll say, you know, we'll release another album and that one will be even better than this one. So then that one will be our our next breakthrough once again. <laughs> As long as our albums keep getting better, you know, we'll keep going. If, if they were getting worse, then something would be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So, you know, we've talked so much about the album. I must uh, make, at this point, a mention about the cover artwork. Yeah, um, yeah. I did think that, you know, it's by the legendary artist uh, Max Ernest. And That's right. when I looked at it at first, it's both stunning, but at the same time, the more you keep looking at it, you discover different layers to it. It's kind of trippy in a way. Yeah, uh, yeah. So how did you come across it and why do you think it feel uh, that it fits the album well? Sure, yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, I, I, I agree that you first look at it and it, it's, it's it, you know, it's, it's kind of shocking. It immediately grabs you, but then the more you look at it, you notice all these different things. There's kind of different figures hidden in there and, and you, it, different little bits of the world. So, you know, like that, I think that's kind of, a metaphor for how I want the album to be where you, you know, you hear it the first time and it's good, but then the more you listen to it, the more you can discover and unpack and, you know, keep listening to it over and over for years, I hope. Um, but it had an interesting, uh, st- there's an interesting story about how I discovered it as well. I was looking for album art for quite a while and I wanted to find something that really represented, you know, how I felt about the album after putting so much work into it. And there's a, there's a used bookstore kind of one of these big dusty bookstores with stacks and stacks of ancient books piled everywhere, completely disorganized uh, here in, in Vancouver. And um, <clears throat> I've been to this place a lot over the years. It's kind of a, a legendary local place. And, and in here, there's this, this basement and you, you can kind of, you can, you can only go in there if, if you kind of ask for permission and they'll let you down there to look around. And it's totally disorganized, just endless piles of books in the dust and in the darkness. And so I, I spent an entire day down there just snooping around and, and looking through stacks and trying to find something that would inspire me uh, to, to, you know, choose an album cover. And I, I found this book on the Dadaists and the Surrealists um, artists. Uh, and, you know, I've been a fan of, of that type of art for a long time, and I've been familiar with Max Ernst. But I opened the book, and right at the page I opened was this painting, which was just called The Eye of Silence by Max Ernst. And I think it was... Um, I think it was painted in 1943 and 1944. And uh, I saw it and I, it, was, it was like, holy shit, this is the one. And I knew that it was, it was the, the painting I wanted on the album because I'd never seen it before and I was totally captured by it, just staring at it in the, in the darkness. And luckily, um, I was able to get in touch with the estate of Max Ernst uh, because, of course, he's long dead. Um, but I was able to talk to his, uh, I guess, his descendants and license the use of the painting for the album cover. So, you know, I know these are strange times, but what yeah. is next uh, for Spell at this point? 
Yeah, I mean they're, they're they're pretty strange. We I mean we were supposed to we were planning of course to do a you know a tour to support the album release and album release parties and things like that and we had a Europe Europe tour booked and local shows but that stuff was of course canceled. But I guess we're we're um we're going to be trying to rebook those tours as soon as we can cuz you know we love getting out and exploring the world and we've had such a great time whenever we've toured in America and in Europe and everywhere we go. So so we we're right now we're working on booking a Europe tour for spring and summer of uh of i guess 2021 um and beyond that uh we are, we're also going to try to get down the west coast as soon as we can hopefully sooner it really depends on how soon uh this this virus lets up and we're allowed to travel again but we're keeping pretty busy right now we're, we're working on some new songs of course for the next album and we're pretty excited about that and we're also working on um some little releases that we might have before then like i think we're going to be releasing a seven inch um, to follow oh, wow. up on the tales of the album. Hopefully, uh, well, <laughs> I don't want to give any dates or anything like that because of course all the record plants are shut down and everything, <laughs> but as soon as we can. Uh, have you guys thought of doing any live streams or anything of that sort during these times? You've, you're seeing so yeah. many of them uh, happen these days. Yeah, the trouble is uh, <laughs> we're quarantined in different cities right now. So I'm in Vancouver. And um, oh. Al and, and, and Graham are in Nanaimo, which is on Vancouver Island. And uh, I guess the ferry that runs between Vancouver and Vancouver Island is running on a highly limited service right now. So it's it's pretty difficult for us to even be in the same city as each other. <laughs> so we haven't <laughs> been able to do any live streams like that yet, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It seems like um, we're flattening the curve, as they say, pretty well in yeah. Vancouver right now, knock on wood. I don't want to jinx anything but you know if we're allowed to travel in the next in the coming weeks we'll definitely be getting together and rehearsing and hopefully uh doing some kind of live stream yeah yeah hoping for the better yeah right cam uh it's been a pleasure talking to you i we just want to leave you with one final question yeah. um and this is a slack slightly larger one very sure. opinion heavy is there anything that defines canadian metal as such and should there be <laughs> Yeah, you know, good question. I was actually, I was just talking about this a couple of days ago with uh, with our buddy Jacob from uh, the band Freeways from Toronto, because uh, I, I do think there's something about Canadian rock and metal, and it's very hard to put your finger on exactly what it is. But, you know, as a Canadian, I feel like I can hear it when I listen to certain bands, like I can hear it in Getty Lee's weird voice in Rush, and I can hear it in all over the place in, in Voivod, uh, and I can hear it in 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 kind of the the overly earnest uh, lyrics and singing in the band triumph um and i can hear it in freeways too they, they just put out a great new album uh, on temple of mystery yeah. records so if you haven't checked that out you definitely should but there there is there's something that's just kind of deeply canadian about all these bands and lots of others and it's hard to say exactly what it is but if i had to try and define it on the spot here which i never really tried to do before i would say it's a kind of a kind of um willingness to be a little bit weirder or maybe more individual um maybe to, to have a bit of a sound that's kind of that's, that's that maybe some people would find a little bit less polished or more awkward uh and it's a bit of a gamble i think because sometimes with something like you know like getty lee's voice for example um or neil young is another example you know i can hear to neil young and Joni mitchell they all have this kind of weirdness to them their voices or their the choices of their chords And, you know, it's a bit of a gamble because it can be one of those things where people either hate it 
or if they give it a bit of a chance, they will absolutely fall in love with it. Um, I think maybe there's a little bit of that going on in, in spell music as well. Some people, you know, it's not for everyone, but that's the reason we called our, our last album for none at all, because it's, you know, some people, it, you know, it's for it's for no one. It's just for, you know, it's for us. And it's also for who, anyone who who chooses to enjoy it. So um, if you can if you can find something there that, that you like, then then that then it's for you. And that goes, I think, for all Canadian artists who are willing to be a little bit weirder and, uh, you know, show show their, show show what makes them a little bit different than the rest of the world. I'd say I think there's a certain conviction and lots of confidence in just being yourselves. Yeah, conviction is a good word for it. I, I like that. Yeah, thank you. Alrighty. On that note, Cam, thank you so much for taking some time out and chatting with us. This was an absolute pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the Horns Up podcast. So, Peter, do you think there's anything like Canadian metal? Should there be? Of course. I mean, Dark Throne wrote a song about it, man. <laughs> and uh, it, it's like, you know, we, we in the start of the episode talked primarily about like, you know, the heavy metal or power metal bands. But like we spoke to Akurion uh, earlier and, you know, you've got bands like Cryptopsy, and the likes. There's a pretty strong death metal scene there also. And of course an underground black metal scene, which I barely scratch the surface. So definitely there's something as Canadian metal. But uh, besides all of them being from Canada, is there anything else that ties them all together? Uh, like, at least with the death metal scene, which I've been more tuned into, uh, you find a lot of technicality and experimental uh, sounds in that side. Uh, but coming back to like you know the heavy metal, there there is like that. I mean, for lack of uh, any other word, old schoolness. I mean, like when you listen to a band like Freeways, you you could not really tell where else it was from other than Canada. It has that kind of sound. I don't know if you agree to that. I'm still not sure. I mean, apart from all that we spoke to with Cam about, I think there was one word there that I should have mentioned to which is earnestness. It's weird, but uh, all these bands coming out of Canada, including uh, and spanning across the various genres, all seem to be extremely honest and earnest. And maybe that's just because of the popular culture references that, I'm, uh, that I keep hearing uh, from Canada, or I keep reading about, or I keep watching, which is to paint Canadians as people who are just overtly nice and overtly polite yeah <laughs> uh, severely severely confident in their capabilities and exceptionally talented maybe it's that maybe it's coming from that but i do think earnest would be a good word to um help tie all these canadian bands together so and i i think uh, you've kind of hit it uh quite well uh, that's one thing that comes across in all their music that it, it's not like trying to fit into any subgenre or anything of that sort. So, yeah. Oh, well, on that note, let's throw it upon you guys. If anybody of you is listening, is there anything like Canadian metal? Should there be? Or, matter of fact, is there anything like insert country metal from the place you're from? And should there be? 
leave us your thoughts. You can do that at hornsofpod.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter. We're at hornsofpod on Twitter. I'm at Asmohani on Twitter. And I'm Trent Crusher. On Twitter too. So till the next time. Oh, by the way, Trent Crusher, do you want to plug your new Instagram account? (laughs) Yeah, I just managed to get my first Instagram live done, which is quite fun. I spoke to Vishal J. Singh about... uh, his new projects and stuff. Check out Trend Crusher again on Instagram and uh, yeah, find out what I'm listening to or stuff like that. What, you're not going to be doing any of those lockdown selfies or makeup brush <laughs> challenge or any other kind of challenges, etc. That's disappointing, yeah, man. Actually, actually if you is- are, if you, if you are doing, if you're doing Instagram properly, you have to do all this influencer shit too. Dude, actually, that's not a bad idea. Like, black metal like you know your corpse challenge corpse that would, challenge yeah that, how, how come no one's done that yet <laughs> because because at the moment stationery shops are not open you can't get white paint anywhere <laughs> especially face paint that's actually safe for your skin I'm not putting any of the acrylic shit on me <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> On on that note, start off your week well. Hopefully everyone safe and be as safe as can be. Till the next time, horns up. Horns up, guys.